Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Uh, hey, everybody, it's me, Tony Like, Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. Uh, we are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Our good friend, Jared Brannon is uh, MIA again, and it's part of his life right now, so we're just accepting it. It's not his fault. Things happen. He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. It is in his Nashville. fault. But we're also joined by... John Esterly with Rare Buzz Effects. Yes, and uh, we we are extremely excited about this episode. We got somebody really special in the line. Special person, who are you? I'm, I'm the special person right over here. I'm uh, Jay Leonard Jay, and it's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, he sounds all sunny go. and cheery. There we go. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> it's um, always sunny in Canada. Yeah. Oh, never, <laughs> never. It's always, it's beautiful, never a rainy day, especially here in Vancouver. <laughs> um, we've had lots of requests to have Jay on the, you know, can I, do we, do we need to call you by your full moniker, Jay Leonard Jay? You can call me Jay. I okay. think that's a lot. That's a lot to handle. That, that is, but it, but it rolls off the tongue well. So, you, you <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly. You, you it's were, nice to have the initial at the end of the name as opposed to the uh, the beginning. Yeah, it would not be as like J Leonard W. That would be rough. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, so um, we're gonna have a great time talking to Jay. And for those that may not be familiar with you, although I highly doubt that there anybody that there's anybody listening who isn't, where can they go to kind of get a glimpse of what you're doing? Well, I think the best place to find me is on YouTube. Uh, I have my little uh, page, J Leonard Day, J-A-Y-L-E-O-N-A-R-D, and the big J right in the end of that. And uh, yeah, you can find me there. Pretty much anything of note is on that page right there for you to watch. Excellent. Um, all right. And just to, uh, um, let's give you, uh, let's give them the, the elevator to the second floor pitch on what you do. What do I do? Uh, I'm a, uh, well, I guess it's, uh, I make little YouTube videos. I pretty much play a lot of different gear, give you my opinions and thoughts and little lessons and stuff like that. I'm also a uh, Vancouver musician. So I go on the road and play with a lot of different acts and uh, do a little bit of recording and performing all over the place. So I'm a uh, music everything kind of person, a little bit of writing, a little bit of everything. Word. That was pretty good. We just hit the there second floor. Everybody off. Um, Actually, you know what? I'm going to share. Can I share a little tiny story? It's pretty good. You're, you're a music guy. You're a musician. You'll appreciate this. I was at um, I was in New York, and uh, I was walking the, the streets till I couldn't walk anymore because that's what I love doing when I go there. Uh, and I had to wake up pretty early to get to the to the airport. Uh, I get back to the hotel. I was staying at the um, uh, the Tokyo. Uh, there's the Tokyo Hotel. I can't remember the. the to- uh, anyways, Tokyo Hotel. Anybody who's been there, it's this, it's this really funky Tokyo-style hotel thing. Anyways, whatever. Uh, I get there. It's not important. I, I get there. I'm waiting at the, for, the, for the elevator, and there's a guy in front of me, an older guy, and which was a little bit odd because it's not an older guy kind of place. He walks in the elevator and turns around, and I, and I look at him, and I walk in, and he, he goes, what floor? And I said, Two, are you Arturo Sandoval? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I got to ride the elevator with Arturo Sandoval, one of the greatest trumpet players ever to, you know, play. And 
I couldn't believe it, but he actually, like, we were talking. We were just standing there talking. We got out the elevator, and he said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow night? I want you to come to my show. I'll put you right in front. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to be on a plane. Ah, could have had, I could have had it. Could have had it all. Anyways, that's my elevator you up story. On stage. You would have brought you up on stage. You would have done your thing. Yeah, millions this is my of friends dollars, in the elevator. Grammys. <laughs> but no, you wanted to go on your airplane. <laughs> yeah. Right. You wanted to watch Waiting to Exhale mm. on, the, on the video playlist. Yeah. Followed by You've Got Mail. You could have been you got mail. Todd oh the Elevator gosh. Novak. Yeah. But no. <laughs> this was That was your moment. Yeah. Oh, he was waiting. He had, he had everything. Pl- he had a guitar plugged in for you, just waiting to go to. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was I was waiting for him to say, "Do we just have become best friends?" Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, that's my elevator story. All true. All right. Let's find out what's going. Oh wait, we've got a couple of announcements real quick. We need to thank Road Mics. Thank you so much for providing this excellent equipment. Uh, their audio gear is tippy top of the notch. Uh, if you're interested in create, especially for content creators, they've totally like re- swung really hard to make sure that people who are creating content have the best gear possible. So check them out. I also wanted to make a mention that we got a nice package from Low Sounds, nice mm-hmm. little T-shirt. So we're going to give that away. Nice. We got two clon clones that have been uh, rare buzzard. Uh, he did the upgrade on that, so we're giving those away, everybody. Ooh. Pretty sweet. And and as I visited our friends uh, Acorn Amps uh, on my way through Georgia last week, um, I said, hey, you know, you sent that pedal out. Can we give that away? He said, I would love that. So guess what? Supporters, we're going to give away the Acorn pedal. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, so many things are happening. I love it. I love it. Let's get on to what's going on in our music worlds this week. We're going to start off with Tanya in yep. front of me. Then we're going to check in with Jay Leonard Jay. Well, Todd, uh, this week I, I got my, um, you remember the orange flying V thing mm-hmm. that I was putting together? And, yes. And um, it needed some work. It needed a new nut. It needed some fret work and things like that. So... I had my friend Phil over at the fret shop, and Phil, for those of you who don't know Columbus uh, Luthery, uh, Phil's kind of been a mainstay here in town for, gosh, 30, 40 years now. And um, he's, uh, he's shifted his business model. Well, first of all, the guitar ended up needing a new nut. It needed some major fret work, and he did all of it very nicely. It plays great. It sounds really good. Uh, so I'm very happy with that. But his his business model, I thought I'd share because it's 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 a shift from what most people are doing. Uh, we have a, a lot of great shops here in Columbus, um, but unfortunately, a lot of them are repair you know, shops. Repair there's hardly shops. Any guitar shops. Well, there's hardly any guitar shops, but repair shops for some reason we've got at least five or six. Yeah. Very decent ones, and and a lot of them are you know people bring things in and they're told well it's going to be four, five, six, seven, eight weeks before we can even get to it. So um, Phil uh, is is trying something new where you uh, call and make an appointment, and the, you know based on what you need, uh, he, he'll set aside that time and you basically book that time with him. And usually it's for minor things like, you know, setups or, you know, even a, a, a nut cutting and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you basically, as a customer, 
sit there and wait and talk to him. And oh. if he can, you know, he, so it's like a haircut. Yeah, it's it's kind of Neat. like you know gar, guitar repair while you wait. And you know, I I said, well, Phil, how can how can that be? Everybody else is running, you know, at least three or four weeks. And he said, well, what I found was um, by the time someone brings something in and it sits there, and then you have to pull it out, and and you know, by, you know, the whole process can take several weeks, including waiting for the customer to come back and pick it up and pay for the repair that was done. This way, he said, you know, I have them there for an hour. They pay me for the work I do, and I don't have to keep bugging them on the phone telling them their thing is done because yeah. they take it with them. So, And they probably appreciate the cur- the craft that's going in it. They're like, how oh, come sure. this is so expensive? They're like, oh, my gosh, I saw that's you work why. on it for two and a half hours. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool, and I thought I'd share that. And I thought if there's any, you know, shop owners out there, they might want to consider that. I mean, it's obviously if it, with my thing, it took a lot more because there was some other work that needed done. Yeah. But, you know, if it's something like, you know, a basic setup or uh, a new nut or, you know, just changing out pickups or things like that, um, things that can be done in an hour or two. Uh, you basically I think that's super smart. Not, well, and then you're not going to get all hot-headed about it. four weeks with somebody, you know, and then what? you get rush jobs coming in front of you that, and you're like, what? yeah, you know, that's and cool. And so I, so I thought that was pretty cool, and I, and so I, a good tip, idea. A tip of the chapeau to Phil Maneri mm-hmm. at the fret shop. Perfect, uh, Jay. What is going on in your music world this My week? My music world this week. I, you know, I had a pretty, so we're kind of at the end of the summer. Things are kind of wrapping up on the, the performance thing. So it was kind of like that last little hurrah of performances. I know that there's a hockey team here in Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks, a little NHL franchise. And uh, they had their home opener. So we played at that one. And luckily we had the, uh, the advantage to play another gig right after and not see the ridiculous shellacking that they got from the other team. So we actually went right from that gig to uh, another show uh, for an artist named Warren Flandes. He was like a soul singer, kind of like, you know, mm. R&B kind of guy. And so he was doing a, a, a like a fundraiser show with a, a Canadian artist called Divine Brown. So we did part of that. And then uh, and then uh, later on, uh, I, there was a bluegrass show that I did with a, a artist called Rosemary Siemens in the Sweet Sound Revival. I play like acoustic guitar and like a little band guitar and harmonica and stuff in that group awesome and then uh, right after that gig i had to jump and go to penticton and play a big halloween party uh which was great because they got this big big huge uh, the owner of one of the resorts there has this huge property and had the big like um like barn that they turned into the scary haunted house and like a lot of people uh showed up and it was just a big bang it was so much fun uh, but so from the performance side, that was really good. But we did have some a little bit of drama in the studio because I have this drive that I keep a lot of my video footage on. And uh, I, it, it gave up on me this week. Oh, so I lost no. tons of footage. And, uh, it, and some of the footage was actually for another company that it's not even for my page. It was for them. And it was like on site stuff. So Ooh. like I, I know it was brutal. And because I'm super, super like on top of things, I didn't have anything backed up. And so I, I pretty much had to spend a lot of last week just catching up with like all the footage. And uh, so from that side, it was a little bit stressful. But on a positive note, um, I, I spent a lot of this week, I decided, I made like a big decision to do something. I was going to get a guitar. I was going to get a new guitar. And it was going to be a guitar that I've avoided getting 
for like my entire life. I've never really was into these guitars. And then I played one. I was like, ah, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I want to get one. So um, I, I decided to get myself uh, a new PRS, like the custom 24, like the expensive one. I thought you were going to say B, uh, BC super. Rich Warlock. But. <laughs> no, BC Rich Warlock. Rickenbacker. The problem is the thing with PRS. Okay, this is, so maybe it's like the generation, but like when I think PRS, I think like Nickelback and Mesa Boogie Amps, you know what I mean? And that's a yeah. little bit different than like where I come from. I was like very like old boomer guitars and, you know, boomer, that, that's kind of like the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, classic. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Classic stuff. And I started playing the Mesa Boogie and I was like, yeah, or uh, sorry, the PRS. And I was like, oh man, this feels good. You know, like yeah. kind of getting like in the action and all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do it. But uh, so I was like, okay, we're going to get set up. And I'm going to get myself a guitar, and then I'm looking at the colors, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the other reason why I never got a PRS, and that is I, I'm very, very colorblind. Like, really? Super color. Yeah, I did a test, and it was like I see like 10% of colors and 2.5% of shades. So wow. like not a lot of stuff. And so when I look at like a like a you know like that's why if you look at a guitar I play it's always like black or blue or pink or it's like really bold in your face one color right because sunbursts are just like a circus factory to me especially like that browns are like the worst so like you look at PRS and there's these guitars and they have these like multiple colors and sub colors inside and the flames shades within of the, colors the colors and, the, and then the thing and like they, I know they look beautiful but like. Are they be- like, do they look the same in my head in real life? And it was like, so a lot of this week was actually just going like, I had like six colors, just obsessing over like six colors and asking everyone I knew, like, what, do, you know, what does this look like? And I think I figured it out. And so that of all the things I did this week was like my favorite thing that I did this week. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Picking a color is, for a guitar. Is that the one that you featured on the PRS pedal? demo so so on that one that's actually what that was my gateway drug okay so what happened is they sent um a, uh what was that that's a 24 custom 24 and that was part of their like standard line and i said hey just try it with the the pedal you know see if you like it and i was like okay you know give it a shot um and i was kind of playing with it and i was like you know the more i play with it like i'm kind of going like oh man this is this is kind of nice i kind of like this and it actually goes back to um um, the transformation actually started a little earlier. I had to do a, an on-site thing for a, a company. And uh, um, I was at a music store and I was comparing guitars. And one person wanted me to compare like the cheap PRS to like this other guitar. Right. And I thought it was a cheap PRS, but it was actually the super expensive one. And I remember just playing it going like, man, like this is a really, really good guitar. Like <laughs> I kind of, like, I want to say get the other guitar, but this guitar is like, really really dope and i was like and so like there comes a point like i don't want to throw the other t- um company under the bus sure you know, they brought me here so like i'm trying to find like superficial things like oh well this is better for this style of music because of this and this. but like the actual like you know i just like wow and in the end i said you know what like go with the prs i kind of you know said that in the end but that was the bug and playing it just uh the other week i was like you know what i think i think i like prs 
I think this is it. This is a thing for me. So that's kind of what started it. So now I'm going down the PRS rabbit hole and reading about it and learning about the company and just getting into something new. Now you got to get a Helix and a whole- I got to get it. I I have the Helix. I have the Helix. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah, man. I know. You know what? what? I don't fear. I don't fear the the new stuff and I don't fear like going out of my comfort zone. I think it's good to do It's a stylistic thing though. I mean- like when, when you really come down to that, right? I mean, that's what you're afraid. It's like, yeah, but is that me? Is it me? Is it really me? Yeah. Like I, I always hated super strats, you know, because I thought it was like the most – it was like a guitar for indecisive guitar players. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I had to do this NAMM show like years back, and uh, I, I needed to borrow a guitar so I could do some settings in the hotel. Right. And I, ca- I talked to a company called Friedman, and they said, well, we have some guitars. Why don't you just grab, you know, one and take it back? So I just grabbed a Super Strat, not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I took this, like, Friedman Strat, and I was kind of playing it going, like, oh, my God. Like, this, I get it. I get it now. I, mm-hmm. like, I get why this is kind of cool. And now it's, like, uh, I would say for probably the majority of my shows, I'm actually playing that Friedman guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so, you know, I, I'm kind of associated with, you know, Telecasters and older style guitars, but, um, yeah, just over the last couple of years, you know, little Jay's kind of growing up and trying new things and, you know, f- discovering new sounds, which is always good. Yeah. And I think a wind chime just blew on Steve Vai's porch when he heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bird just dropped on his lap. And the bird, and he looked at the bird, and he knew everything was going to be all right. Yes. Yeah. He knew it was going to be all right. <laughs> cool. Uh, John, about yourself. So, uh, along the same lines as Jay, I also just bought a guitar, but it was kind of accidentally. Um, so I will periodically scroll through Reverb. Was it in the shop when I came in? No, it okay. wasn't. It's it, it'll be here tomorrow. Okay. Um, I'll periodically scroll through Reverb, and if I see something that I'm really not, you're doing it wrong if you're doing it periodically. Well, uh, I'll see stuff that maybe I <laughs> maybe kind of want, but maybe I don't really want, and I'll put in offers that would be insulting to me as a seller. Well, I did that over the weekend, and somebody <laughs> accepted. So <laughs> well, there you go. There you That's go. cool. <laughs> Uh, so I bought a, an Epiphone Les Paul, which for those who know me, it, that's like the opposite of what I would normally get, but mm. just looking to kind of broaden my horizons. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What kind? Uh, an Epiphone. Well, uh, Les Paul. Yes. All right. We've established that. It has one neck. Right. It has six tuners. Two pickups. Yeah. No, it's a it's a 2006. It's one of the flat bodies, one of the, you know, kind of the more economy sure, line. Sure. Uh, special. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, beautiful, it's a sunburst and just beautiful wood grain on it. Yeah. So that's kind of what drew me to oh, it. There. Yeah, so. Right on. Looking for a little bit different hey, sound. put some good and, pickups in it. Well, that's probably going to be up, that's probably gonna be upgrade number one. We're going to go see our friends. Uh, is, is, are they still in Pataskala? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach. Our friends in Pataskala. Yes. And, and see at about the, uh, that. So. At the Brandon Wound factory. Yeah. And then uh, on Saturday, I got to see the Dropkick Murphys down in Cincinnati. Ah, they they are awesome. touring um, on their new album, which is called This Machine Still Kills Fascists. <laughs> and uh, what they did, they went into the Woody Guthrie archives and found lyrics that had never been released as actual songs. And they got permission from the foundation and from the family to arrange and record these songs. And it's a very unique musical experience because it's 
I'm making air quotes for the folks at home. It's an acoustic performance. Yeah. But it's still the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. So but, but like, Dropkick Murphys and that kind of stuff, I mean, realistically, no, it's, they, it's it, folk. It really lines I mean, it, up it, very well. You know, and then um, they arranged a lot of their other... Uh, Punk folk, but you know, they, I mean. they arranged their a lot of their older music uh, yeah. for this show. Um, it was a seated venue, but by the time they were on stage, no one was sitting down anymore. Sure. But uh, it really, really unique. And if you have an opportunity, if you're a fan of either folk music or the Dropkick so, Murphys, I think explain explain uh, if you will. Sure, because you just draw you just kind of lobbed out something that is. Um, <sighs> I don't know. It's not. I don't, it might be a cultural lexicon. This machine kills fascists. I was like, a lot of people probably are like, oh, I've heard that. And you you threw out Guthrie. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? So Guthrie was a folk performer, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. He um, Woody Woody Guthrie. Yeah, because there's like you put a front name, first name in front of Guthrie, and there's a musician named that. Yeah, but uh, Woody Guthrie was a, a folk musician really got um, associated with uh, anti-fascism during World War II, really spoke out very much against what was going on in Europe. A lot of his music was, you know, along those lines. And he, at one point, painted This Machine Kills Fascists on his guitar. And right. that's kind of what he got known that for. That became like a, a really early battle cry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, Thank he you. must have been quite prolific because uh, Wilco and Billy Bragg, did two albums, same thing, where yeah. they took old lyrics that were, they found uh, and uh, actually put together two really good albums. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so I had a heck of a weekend. And first, I'm going to start it with, we. I was coming through, I mentioned going through uh, uh, Georgia, stopping by Acorn, seeing our friends there, which is really cool, meeting everybody in person. Sometimes yeah. we, we don't always get to meet everybody in person, so whenever we have the opportunity, I, I really try to do what I can to make sure that happens. Hey, Todd. Yeah? What's going on in your music world? Oh, thanks, week? Tony. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyways, on the way back, I stopped and stayed with Jared, and oh, so we got to hang out, that's good. and he said, hey, I want to take you to this restaurant. So we go to this restaurant, and... Um, it's a it's a ways to get in. It's like half an hour to get in, right? And I'm looking at Jared. I'm like, uh, he this is not going to work out. <laughs> he does not do well no, with waiting. Waiting and no, um, but he's like, no, no, we got to eat here. Right across the street was this place called BS. Um, it was called BS Beer Work, BS uh, BS Brew Works, and it was like a brewery and a like a walk in walk up kitchen kind of diner thing. And the cool part was. When we walked in, this is, Jay, I'm, I'm tailing off of you here. There was about a 10 or 12-piece Appalachian group, oh, it, like, a, of the community. Okay, so this is in mm. Springfield, Tennessee, so it's not Nashville. That is to say that if you're a tourist and you're going to Nashville, that's going to be a different experience. Right. You're going to get, like, professional musicians and, and such. Was um, there someone playing a saw? It sounded, on, honestly, there were, two, there were two girls. I believe there were two younger girls. It sounded like, oh, brother, where art thou? In the fire, in the heaven, in the fire. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. It's, they sounded so good. Stand-up yeah. bass, bunch of mandolins and banjos and everything. It was great. Um, and then to, you know, on the, on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, this, uh, the, that was followed up the next day by 
Jane's Addiction and Smashing uh, Pumpkins, which I am a huge fan of both. Jane's Addiction is in my early, early, early rock and roll bones. And uh, it was one of the first shows that I really, that, that it probably was the first show. If someone says, what's the best show you ever seen in your life? It's it's the one. I, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Uh, John Anson Ford Theater, 1989. Um, well, more importantly, did you ever make it into the restaurant that Jared wanted to take you? We did. And? And it was great. Well, there you go. Yeah, and there was some food left. And <laughs> anyways, um, so got to have a great interview with Jeff Schroeder, who's always it. so gracious. And the, the people behind the stage uh, work in all the areas. They, you know, we're just a couple of schmoes from the street. They're trying to run a concert and a, an entire tour. And they treated us so well. I was, it, it meant a lot to us. I mean, we were all talking about that later. I heard James Eha made a sneak pass by. He did. He did. He almost got stuck in an interview, uh, but was quickly uh, made his way out. Um, Smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> So make sure you, uh, hopefully you've, you will have already heard that interview by this time. Um, but I also uh, wanted to point out that then we hung out with Hex, Hector Matos, oh, yeah. which is one of our grand poobahs and a close oh, friend fun. of mine. So we, we stayed at their house, stayed up till three talking about the show and everything. Oh, wow. It was great. What a fantastic weekend. And the, I'm, man, it's one thing to go see a great show, like, you go to a show. Sometimes you go like, wow, the music was great. Or the performance was exactly what I expected. And it's, you know, they're, they are performing. They're doing their thing, right? Watching them play. So Troy Van Leeuwen was playing for David Navarro, who's out oh, right yeah. now. Troy just tearing it up, like completely full on into it, committed. He, he was working the crap out of that guitar. And then Eric Avery was playing, who wrote most of all of their music early on. So he was doing his thing. Perry Farrell, who had just suffered a pretty heavy-duty neck injury, knocked him out of three shows, came back. And I've never seen anybody smiling so big. Like, like he was so proud of himself, <laughs> which is, you want that in a front person. But also, like, the entire place was just packed wow the arena was filled his band behind him was, was just smoking and he was just having the best day ever and it that totally translated to the audience i really appreciate that jeff killed it completely just he's the guy the guy is like I, it's like ballet with his hands man i the way that he plays it it, it is a it is something very beautiful to watch really on the other end of that you get Billy Corgan, who brutalizes the guitar. And, you know, these guys are doing these shows over and over and over and over. They're going, they have big tours. And you're watching him and you're like, this isn't a show to him. He's playing guitar. He's doing the thing that he loves to do because he would just go off and just, just go on these wild tangents of just guitar awesomeness just because he can. And he has the stage and he wants to, not because that's part that he has to check the box on the show. So that authenticity, that love for rock and roll, that love for the gear and the guitars that they're playing and just doing their thing, like that's what the audience is reacting to. And I really appreciated it. Anyways, um, 
boy, we got a lot to, to catch up to, to do with Jay here. So we're going to get rolling. Um, this has been pretty fun so far. Jay, are you having fun so far? I'm having a blast. Ah, uh, that's the right answer. I love to hear it. So Todd, all these big acts, they are, don't they just go wireless all the time? I mean, you'd think so. Yeah. I mean, you think they're but, still running pedal boards, man. Really? Yes. And I suppose there's some way to connect all those pedals together. I hope for the sake of their own sanity that they are all using Tour Gear Designs patch cables. They should if they're not. I mean, I use them, so duh. (laughs) 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 Um, They really are fantastic. And if you've got a pedal board that you would like to get a little bit tighter, maybe fit a few more pedals, maybe feel a little bit more confident in how reliable they are, you need to check out Tour Gear Designs patch cables. And the spaghetti. Yes, and the spaghetti. That should be their bumper sticker. Um, also, if you go there and put it... Oh, they're Canadian, too. Yes. Okay. There you go. Hey. Yes. Um, oh, if you sold. go to the... Uh, and put in your, your stuff. Oh, John's I'm, buying I'm, some right I'm now. I'm buying cables right now. He literally is buying he some. He is literally. So, John, don't forget. Put is in, there anything you, I can do? Yes, if you, you go can. to the coupon code and type in the guitar knobs, all lowercase, all one word, you're going to save an extra 10%. Yes, which adds up. So make sure you do that. Uh, thanks so much to Tour Gear Designs for sponsoring our four on the floor. Tony, you want to do it? Sure, why not? Do it. My four on the floor consists no, of... All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a little bit of this! Whoa, you're bringing it tonight. All right. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, Jay, Leonard Jay, very excited for this. What is your four on the floor? Well, uh, number one, it's going to have to be a wah pedal. I have a wah pedal I made a long, long time ago, and even if I'm not using a wah pedal on a gig, I feel really awkward not seeing it on the floor. You know what I mean? It's kind of like my, my teddy bear. Like I need mm. to just at least have it in the room with me to feel safe. Um, and the, what it is, is it's a Tease. I believe it, at one point in time, it was a Tease RMC2. And then I just kind of uh, pulled out all the knobs on it and just kind of hardwired my preferred settings on it. Oh, uh, okay. And yep. So that way I did, because I was always hitting the knobs and it was always going in weird places and stuff. So I just kind of made everything like always there and it goes more it's more like a whoa than a wah but it's just <laughs> it's yeah, kind of like fonzie yeah whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> yeah whoa and it's like a really throaty and it has like a really long travel and it's been so tweaked so much over the years but uh it just works with everything there's a million uses of a wah as opposed to just like going chicka 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 all the time yeah which is awesome too but I, I love it for just, you know, making a solo kick out a little bit more. Parking it somewhere, creating like a weird scoop. I just, I can't go without a wah pedal. Like mandatory. If it's not that, it has to be some kind, right? Right. Okay, now I'm tracking on the RMC thing. It's, it does have the uh, quite a few external, um, either on the side or on the front uh, mm-hmm. facing knobs. I'm assuming yours are on the side. Yeah, it was on the side. It's yeah. so funny. Actually, what ended up happening is I had an old Vox Wah, and then my uh, uh, my roommate in college had the RSC2, and he tweaked with it, and he just made it a, like, a, like a complete jungle mess of, like, stuff. <laughs> and then he got so frustrated with it because I think he screwed it up. And so <laughs> we switched guts. So I gave him the guts for my Vox, and he gave me the guts for the RMC2. And then I kind of like, yeah, put put settings I liked in and – did so much to it so That's it's its cool. own thing now yep right on right on all right number two number two uh 
You know what? I, I, I my one pedal that I've always loved, and it's kind of been with me. I can't get rid of it. It's a exotic EP booster. Ah, EP great booster. choice. Yeah. All right. You it guys, is, you get my vote of confidence. You got my vote? There you go. See, because <laughs> see, the thing about EP Booster that I like about it is um, not only does it make everything just sound full and lush and like really chewy and, and delicious, but not in an obnoxious way, you know, just like yeah. subtly and sweetly. Uh, but it also kind of gives my touch like a very subtle amount of compression. And uh, I don't typically like to play with compressing uh, live because – you know, when you have your amp at a certain place, it's already kind of compressing. And I, sometimes you tend to get too squeezy. Mm-hmm. But the EP, it's just like just enough. It's just enough to make everything just slick and sheeny. And it could handle lots of gain. I actually put the EP booster near the end. So I put oh, it. Really? Like, oh, really? Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah, I put it like right after all my drive boxes and before my uh, like time-based effects that's because really interesting did it, you, the secret oh yeah did you yeah. feel it uh, uh, tone wise it, does it affect it at all it's too well because what happens when you put it in front of a pedal i feel like it's too fat it's too much right I, because yeah when you when i when i want to boost a pedal i don't want a lot of low end and i don't want a lot of low mids because the boost is supposed to make it jump forward i want upper mids i want right. attack um, and then what happens when you put it in the end, what it does is it gets your, you know, your gain sound. You have a lot more volume on tap. So you could really, when you press it, it boosts like nobody's business. Yeah. And it's a thicker version. If you like ever had like a really thin nasally fuzz, if you put an EP booster at the end of that fuzz, it's all of a sudden a really chewy, luscious, delicious fuzz. It's all right. Like, Everybody's going to be switching their, cap- their pedal boards around. I guarantee you that. It's definitely my secret trick. If you have like a fuzz, like a tone bendery kind of thing, you put an EP booster after that, it immediately sounds better. And it's perfect for solos. Perfect. Awesome. Solo. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that yeah. tip. There you go. Yeah. Uh, um, number four? Four. four. Three. 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 I never, yeah, I always mess this up. <laughs> I'm uh, so I'm, I'm not including tuner in this because I think that's just a good. That's, that's not a good one to going talk about. Pass. That's not fun to talk about. We're talking uh, one thing I always have to have, um, and this one is one that actually changes a lot, but it has to be on every board. I have to have at least one fuzz pedal for soloing. Okay. So um, it uh, I I I don't like fuzz pedals for rhythm. I actually use it only for soloing, and I don't like to use distortion for soloing because distortions sound too pretty and too nice and uh-huh. too – it's too everything. You tend to be – I tend to be too indulgent when I play with a distortion because it's too perfect. Yeah. But with a fuzz – want some you, danger when somebody yeah, steps out there and digs bit. in, right? I like You get that. those harmonics, right? Like luscious, detailed harmonics that are really complex. And because those harmonics – and especially if you get like um, – uh, would you call it uh, fuzzes with a little bit of like maybe an octave kind of sound or maybe yeah. a little bit of um, like a ring modulator, like the weird frequencies. What yeah, that does, is it just, yeah, yeah the, the really annoying stuff that sounds horrible at home. Um, what it does is it kind of, it's almost like putting on when you're playing with a band, you play a compressor, you kind of stick out or you make your guitar a little out of tune, you stick out more. It, it just gets whatever you're playing and just pushes it forward in yeah, a really, really love cool it. way. I love it. And, uh, and yeah, that's always changing. But uh, right now, uh, the fuzz, um, I tend to like, I, I don't care about cleanup with fuzz because it's it's for soloing, right? So um, one I really like is uh, by Crazy Tube Circuits. And I think it's called uh, the Starlight. 
And I don't even think it's like a fuzz, like a tradition in a traditional sense. I think it's kind of like more like a distortion that's voiced like a fuzz. I haven't really tweaked it open, but it doesn't, it's not full out fuzz, but it has a lot of the characteristics I like about fuzz while still being really tactile to my hands and allow me to do the things I need to do while still being exciting. Yeah. You know, the fuzz, whole, the whole fuzz thing is so interesting because it, the, the circuits are simple, but anybody, I mean, everybody right now is probably counting how many fuzzes do I have because they're like fingerprints. They're all mm. different enough to where you're like, yeah, no, I need all these. <laughs> yeah. And they're all magical. They're just yeah. magic. It's, it's like the IPA beer of pedals. You know what That's I mean? That's a good it's, way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a lot of ingredients. But it's really, if you screw up one of the ingredients, it's ruined. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's what's next? Um, the last number four, um, it would have to be a talk box. So uh, right now I've been using. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. To, that might be the first <laughs> appearance of a talk box. Say, say, say that again. <laughs> yeah. Is there some yeah. of, is there some other effect called the talk box? The that- talk box. Yes, I am a I am a talk box user. You know, I am. I love playing with the talk box uh, because it's again, it's it's like you know, it, it's uh, the guitar is like an extension of your voice, and a talk box literally is your voice. And your guitar. So how yeah. can it be better? And 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 you know, uh, so I, I've been using a talk box. Oh my god, like long, long time. And uh, you know, I could do the whole talking thing. I could do like the whole, you know, California love, like the Zap and Roger, you right. know, the 24 karat magic, you know, intro and you know, the daft punk kind of talking stuff. And then I could use it more for the traditional like wah-wah sounds and everything like that. But yeah, it's uh it's so much fun because especially when you play it on stage. People have no idea what that what's going on in front of them, you know. Like, except all, all the other guitar it. players are going, "Does he have a talk box? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does he have a tube in his mouth? It's a tube in his mouth." <laughs> people are like, "It's like, why does he sound like a robot all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, why uh, does his words sound like a robot talking? It's amazing. It's like the best thing ever invented." So here's a tip: never borrow someone's talk box. No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's some. If you're ever interested in getting into talk boxes, one thing you'll know is that most talk boxes, like the MXR one, uh, the Jim Dunlop one, uh, a lot of people pick up talk box and they can't talk. It's impossible. And a lot of the reason why is because the tubes are too big. They're too like huge. So if you actually go to the hardware store, get like a skinnier tube, it'll help you with your enunciation huh. a lot more. Oh, and you really? can really, really make it vocal. You could really start getting your S's and T's and all those little like little sounds out and sound more like a voice as opposed to just making like wah-wah pedal sounds, which is... Uh, so that's my little tip to all of you cats out right. there. Right. Now, are, when you're doing that, do you ever have the... Do you ever have the feeling like you got to take it out and like and spit it into a cup or anything like that? <laughs> I keep I keep a like pretty a, tight gym. Like I give dentist. it a little rinse. I give it a little rinser here and there, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure I take about as good care of it as like a trumpet player. Yeah. yeah. Takes care I guess, of this. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, you know, it's about as hygienic as any other brass instrument. You know. I understand. Well, that was uh, unexpected. surprising, <laughs> unexpected, all the things. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing we talked about fuzz after that or before that, because then it would have been, I think you might have, it might have been like you were pandering at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about fuzz, guys. Come on. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay. So that was super fun. Thank you for sharing that. 
we've got I I've got a, a page full of questions here. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. And, uh, we're gonna there's gonna uh, you know we're not looking for necessarily a story arc. I I think we're gonna skip. You know usually we like hey how did you get into the where did this like. I, I think there's maybe some more pertinent questions that we can answer, okay. specifically you as for what you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to pass around the list of questions and we're going to get uh, some interaction. We're going to pepper you with, with great things here. Okay. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. Question number one for Jay Leonard J. <laughs> what is the most challenging part of creating high end content in this point in time? Thumbnails. I hate making thumbnails. That was the top box of answers. (laughs) (laughs) I hate thumbnails and I hate posting. That's what I hate. Posting is so time consuming. Oh my God. I I, I don't actually like, um, well, not don't like, but I'm not good at, I'm not good at like social media. So um, I, it's very hard for me, like the, the posting things like uploading and then the description and yeah. then I have to like thing. And then, you know, you have to do a thumbnail, Ooh, funny picture and then the little outline and the thing. And then the, cause, cause you have to keep in mind, right? Yeah. I make a video, right? So I get in front of the camera, right? And I have to get the pedal. I have to learn the pedal, learn how to use it. Yeah. Then I have to make sure the color balance is right and get everything. Then I got to film it. All right. You know, a couple takes here, a couple takes there. Then I got to shoot the B-roll, get the B-roll. And then I got to get all the data, compile it, and then I edit it. And then I have to do the audio edit. And then I have to do the color grade, which again, for me, super, super hard, right? And then finally, after all of these hours, this time spent really digging into this unit, after that, I feel like the end is near, but no, there's the You got to do the paperwork. And the thing is, the (laughs) thumbnail is like people look at the thumbnail and that's what makes them decide to click it. So everything I did is kind of useless unless I have unless a you cool thumbnail. That. Yeah. And so like the thumb, the hardest part for me, because in the end of the day, I, I play guitar and I'm, I'm like playing really cool gear and I'm playing with cameras. I'm playing with stuff like that's so fun. Yeah. That's so fun. But, you know, the, the actual, you know, business side of it when it comes to, uh, you know, that's not what I live. I live for the, this. The t- yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and, and also let's say just even from a content perspective, you, you have to stay up on like, what's, wh- am I, am I in line with what, uh, algorithms and or trends are doing? Like oh, are pay- people, have people switched over to newer things? You know, it's like, oh my gosh. I, I can't, I, I, I can't, I, I, it's too, it's too much for yeah. me. I think I, it would cause me too much anxiety. Uh, for me, I just, I, I try to play stuff that, you know, inspires me. And then I just kind of have to really hope people are inspired by that too, you know, yeah. like yeah. they could kind of latch onto that as well. And because yeah, I, 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 I would have trouble just, you know, chasing the dragon, you know, trying to be relevant and trying to be hip and cool. That's. That's that sounds really hard for me. <laughs> yeah. So Jay, let's go back to the very beginning. What beginning? What band or guitar player or type of music really got you started and said, "Hey, I want to do this." Uh, my aunt made a mixtape when I was a kid, and on it was like the per- it was like the perfect '90s mixtape. It was like Paula Abdul and Millie Vanilli and like Madonna and George Michael and Prince and all that kind of stuff. And at the very end of the tape was um, a song called Peggy Sue. 
by Buddy Holly. Oh, yeah. And that, um, when I was being a, a little kid, that song was so different than anything I've ever heard on the radio or ever. And it was so raw and so, and it, like, it was just humans. It sounded like humans, you know? And so uh, I would have to say, yeah, that was really what, what really, inf- it like started everything. I, I was a huge Buddy Holly fan. My daughter's name is Holly, right? Oh, oh, yeah. oh wow. Cool. Yep, yep. Uh, he was the biggest influence music-wise. In fact, the way I perform music, if you ever see me live, you know how people kind of steal little things from different musicians they're inspired by? Yeah. I think I've stolen more performance tips from Gary Busey's <laughs> impression of Buddy Holly <laughs> than anybody. Like, so if you ever watch the movie, The Buddy Holly you Story, big there's, crazy yeah. Adventures or like yeah. <laughs> there's no, you know, you could not Prince, not Michael Jackson, <laughs> not, you know, <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan or Jimi Hendrix. It's literally Gary Busey. Hey, I support that. My I support that effort. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. That was uh, yet another unexpected answer. Yeah, it is. But and so I'm going to touch on that really quick. My daughter, uh, one of my three daughters, is like really hopped up on early 50s music right now. Awesome. Oh, wow. Awesome. Like that and also uh, Dolly Parton, like the entire really? library. Like she's just she just wow. went in deep. And what, what I think is interesting is we've probably all gone through that phase at some point in in time maybe not everybody i know i did i was also kind of stuck because my cars only had am radios that picked <laughs> up the oldie stations um but one thing that you taught that you mentioned was it sounded raw now when you listen yeah. to buddy holly tracks now you're like Oh my gosh! Did they record this in a soup can? Like what? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're not too far off, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you think about right before then, it was big bands and it was smooth. Everything was smooth, you know. And it was la da da, la da da. You know, it was like a lot of that stuff. And then you come in, and it's just like it's stripped down. Yep. Bass, guitar, yeah. vocal, drum. Yep. And, and and just and just like brashness, you know, just just you know, going out and just rocking out. And that's awesome. In this whole world, it's just waiting for the perfect take. There's something to be said yeah. about just going for it, you know? And that's what I, that's what attracts me about that old stuff. They have like three takes to get it done. And they'll get the best take. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. So from Buddy Holly, did you go into the Eddie Cochran, the, uh, gosh, what other, all the other... I, I did listen to a lot of fifties music. That was that was kind of what started. I got really into the fifties culture. Like watched all the horror movies. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I got the really the trashy horror movies and stuff like that. And then uh, I don't know where I went. I, I remember there was a a Canadian guitarist called Colin James. I was really into him because uh, uh, he was he was like my first concert. And I remember just going to his concert. And he had this guitar. It was like a Strat. Yeah, like a vest with no shirt on. You know, <laughs> and he's like course. playing, right? So I'm like there. So it was actually a pretty solid. Day. It was Los Lobos. That oh yeah, Lombardo. okay. Yeah. It was Big Sugar, which is a Canadian band again. And Colin James it was like a three person bill. And I'm I'm there, a little impressionable boy. And I see Colin James, and he has like the big puffy perm thing, and like the vest, the strat, you know. And uh, I was looking at the front row, and the whole front row was just like girls with Colin James t-shirts. And I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a girl James wearing a Colin James yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you you knew where we were going with that. <laughs> you beat us. That's exactly, yeah. That doesn't happen often. You, you're welcome. Yeah, Col- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Colin James. And then, you know, I, I went down, you know, 
uh, Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan and stuff like that. And uh, it kind of uh, exploded from there. Prince, lots of Michael Jackson and, you know, all the stuff, all the good stuff. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. All right, John, you got a couple here. Yeah, I'm got, I've, I've got a couple to fire off. Um, and I'm asking you this not only as a person who is known for gear presentation and gear reviews, but also just as a, a guitarist and consumer. So uh, when you get a new package that has a piece of gear in it, what makes you light up when you open that box? Something that gets me inspired. You know what? I One thing I really love is when you see someone trying to do something different. You know, like as much as I love to see um, like a tube screamer that's, you know, tweaked to perfection. You know, there's something to be said about finding all the right things. And I, I really, really get lit up when I see something that's like someone maybe getting an old problem that's never been solved and solving it or someone getting something that we know and turning it into something new. And so like mixing old and new, like, uh, for example, there was like a pedal uh, by Benson called like the Benson Fuzz. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really cool pedal because it was, you know, it was a at its heart a germanium fuzz face, but it had a, a little heater and it would heat up the transistors to keep it at the optimal temperature. So it, it wasn't dependent on what room you were in. And then they put like one of those, uh, I guess, transformer input things so you could use it with... Uh, you know, a, a wireless unit without having to worry about it. Oh, and, wow. you know, it had a volume boost and it was quieter. And so I could actually get ridiculous. And, and because of all this extra circuitry, it was a tighter sounding pedal than a typical fuzz face. It was tighter, a little bit brighter. So when you get something like old school and then you give it new life, I think that's really, really beautiful. I find like, absolute uh, wonder and joy in that. And I just love hearing uh, the ears of creators. I've always been a sucker for simple pedals, like one or two knob pedals. And the reason why is because with those pedals, you really get to hear the ear of the person designing yeah, what it. What was like, the you know, real true intent? Exactly. Because, you know, I, I get it, you know, oh, I'm going to give make a, a chorus and I'll give the user the opportunity to choose the waveform and the delay offset. And I'll let them choose, you know, uh, the shape of the of the waveform. But when you make something simple, you have to tell, like, we're going with this waveform. We're going with this offset. Mm -hmm. We're going with this blend. And I'm just yes. going to give you We're not making one cargo off. pants for Pete's sakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's it's really neat because Every, you know, when you listen to uh, uh, creators, you could actually hear what they like and hear mm. the sounds they're going for. And like, so, you know, Keeley pedals, they all have a sound and, you know, JHS pedals all have a sound and uh, jam pedals all have a, a, a sound. And it's just kind of neat to hear what everyone thinks good tone is because there is no such thing. Good tone is all in your, in your opinion. It's wonderful. Perfect. So let me let me uh, ask the uh, the opposite of that. Is there anything that makes you cringe when you cut that box open and see it? <laughs> when I cringe, um, if it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> There's been a couple times, you know, you you, you, you <clears throat> plug something in, and it doesn't work like how you plan, and then you have to write the email and you kind of go, "Hey, man, this doesn't work," and you have to kind of, you know, you know, uh, break the news to them. Um, uh, but I don't know. To be honest. It's like I'm very, very, very rarely let down when I open up that box. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, because there's I, I find that everything has its own place and its own 
thing. Now, obviously, I prefer to, you know, uh, play like super high end gear and, and, and the high end boutique stuff. But even when you get the the starter stuff, you could, you know, there's there's value in everything, and there's always good in everything. And I, for me, it's almost like a treasure hunt. Like I, I got to find magic in everything and, and, and find ways to make it sing. And, and through that, you find things about yourself and how you play and, uh, you know, uh, ways, uh, ways to unlock tones that you never heard of. So yeah, it's, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to cringe because in the end of the day, I'm opening up a new piece of gear. Yeah. Oh, I do have one thing that drives me insane. Okay. Um, gear with humongous manuals. <laughs> like huge instructions. Like I, that's one trend that's really been bugging me. Uh, it's like everyone making these pedals that just do so so much, and I have to remember the sub menu underneath. Like if I hold the knob, it turns into a different knob, you know. And then like I know that you have to press this and this and this to save, and then you have to hold this and then tweak this to get this, and then this is trails and this is not trails. Yeah. Um, if 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 uh hard if I to have a manage huge instruction a manual. Oh yeah. It's 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 a lot now, you know, but yeah. Um you know, it, it depends on the gear, obviously, too. But <laughs> how about um, you know, as somebody who has to review an awful lot of gear, uh I mean not that you have to do, that's what you're choosing to do. Someone who chooses to review an awful lot of gear, um are you seeing anything that you feel is like you know what, what kind of trends are you spotting um i you know it's i do notice uh, little trends here and there like you know i i will notice like there was a point where i was getting a lot of big muffs and there was a point where i was getting a lot of um boosters i remember like, there was one summer it was like nothing but boosters mm -hmm. uh, a recent trend i noticed is everyone's have has a new delay coming out a new form of delay uh, so, um, I will say overarching trend I'm seeing is the reliance on digital technology. I think, um, it's really finding its way into everything yeah. and, uh, it's becoming much more, uh, accepted and it's becoming much more the norm. Yeah. So, you know, digital modeling of pedals or digital modeling of amps, even guitars, they have guitars now that, uh, you know, have circuitry in them so I could have it simulate different guitars and have amps built into it and right. stuff like that. So, Well, I, I think to a certain degree that is whether, whether that is being done because of soundscaping or, or not, uh, it is part of the building process where it's like, hey, things are becoming not easy to get, too expensive, um, and if every and there's more and more builders, so and there's less and less stuff. So um, finding new ways to do things, or just even working in digital components into an analog pedal, uh, mm -hmm. is uh, you know that is something that I'm definitely seeing out there. Mm -hmm. and, and having having to, it just opens up more pathways for creativity. You yeah. know, I think. Um, the things that they're able to do and also ways they can help, you know, analog pedals, you know, helping people get tap tempos into their delays, their analog delays and, and presets in their analog delays, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of really cool applications for it and the technology is becoming cheaper and more accessible. So, you know, uh, yeah, you can't complain about it. And what's nice too is I like it when digital technology is not 
trying to be something old. It's trying to be something new. And that's the stuff that really inspires me when that, I see something That is cool. So why do you think we as guitar players are so infatuated by the Klon pedal? And, and this, and and you've teed yourself up perfectly for this, Jay, because you just reviewed the the horse meat by yep. PRS. So. Then, yeah, yeah. You know what? I I have I have a Klon. I had two Klons. Um, I had this the gold one, and I had the silver one. And I sold the gold one, thinking, oh yeah, one of these days I could just get another gold one. That'd be easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I had this. In fact, I um I lived in Boston at the time, and like the guy Bill who designed the clone, he was actually he fixed up my my clone for me and everything like that. And I used a clone for years and years and years and years and years. And I think it's an absolutely fantastic, fantastic piece of gear. And there's a lot of clone clones, and I think it's it's you know it's well warranted. You know, it's a, a fantastic circuit. And I, I and I like the fact that it just complements whatever you plug into it and gives you a little bit. Now the horse meat is not a clone. It's it's very very different. Um, I, I guess there's a you know maybe in the mid range when you turn up that little voice knob it sounds kind of clony, but I I would not I would not say that is a clone by any stretch to be honest. Wasn't it? I mean, but wasn't the whole thing? It was kind of like based loosely off it it was you know ergo the horse meat kind of thing yeah i guess you know, maybe you're thinking again, of you know, the glue factory yeah <laughs> but then you know like uh jazz master was you know inspired by a bunch of jazz guitars and you can see how different that thing is yeah, yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. you know what i mean like you know it, it you know uh i i i think it's like it was inspired by because i could do i can hear some similarities um i, I think uh but the the way you tweak it, where you find the sweet spots, it's a little bit different, and um, it's a little bit yeah, it, it's a, a little. It's bit. got I more actually, to it than the normal. I mean, you know, the, I'm not saying it's a one to one. Yeah, I, I feel they, like the horse meat is more about uh, the the overdrive side of thing, and I yeah. think the clon's more about the clean boost side of things. Yeah. So if you want to expand on the gain characteristics of a clon, I think the horse meat might be the choice for you. Yeah. Yeah, because actually, I, when I do the when I'm using mine, I have the uh, uh, now maybe you can help me out. Is it seriatone or is it seriatone or seriatone? Seriatone, seriatone, Okay, Syra, Syria. All right, that I I I use that one, and I'm I'm probably gain at if we say it's topping out at five o'clock. I'm mm -hmm. probably running at like three. You know what? That's one of my favorite sounds. You run at three, yeah. Then so. you run up. You run up that tone up a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's a good sound. Yeah, I love that sound. Um, that was that was my like that was my breakfast for years. I would get a um, sub decay liquid sunshine, which is like um, one of my favorite overdrive pedals, the Mark II, and I would have that, and then I'd put the Klon before it, and I'd boost. That, and that would be the setting I would use on the Klon. Wow. And that was heavenly. That was a heavenly lead tone. That's cool. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's, we got a handful of other ones. Um, and let's see. I'm going to go with... Um, what artist would you love to meet and jam with? Oh, man. Who would I love to meet and jam with? Just like, just hang out and just play some music with. Uh, 
you know what? Uh, maybe Bruno Mars. I think it would be so mm. fun to play in his band because his book is so interesting. He plays a wonderful gamut of styles and different um, types of music. I find him to be so versatile. His writing's great, and he surrounds himself with killer musicians. So maybe something like that would be good. And he's, you know, he has a lot of energy, and it'd just be fun to uh, watch do his thing. That's a, another unexpected answer. <laughs> you are full of surprises. I'm man. full of surprises, man. <laughs> taking you out yeah. today. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say guitar player because then I would never get any solos, right? Ah, uh, That's right. Why would I say guitar player? Oh, I'll be Jimi Hendrix. The whole time I'll just be sitting. Why would I even pick up the guitar if Jimi Hendrix was there? I'd be too ashamed. You know, I'll just sit there and just gawk for like, yeah. you know, however long it was. At least Bruno, I can just, you know, be noodly and, you know, annoying and, you know. You're playing it upside down, it. man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, come on. Problem number He's, one. Uh, are uh, those even true bypass? Those aren't even true bypasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 your uh, guitar cable's way too long. You oh, know, the impedance issue there is just going to be that's terrible. A, the, that's a 7.25 radius. You can't yeah. do a full bend on that thing, man. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let, let me kind of piggyback on that. Do you have any advice for... Uh, guitar players that are working to improve um trying to get better yeah yeah definitely um i thought that was the advice <laughs> and I was like, wow. yeah. yeah try to get better really knocking these you down older, <laughs> you know what uh, people like to think uh you know the, the the romance of staying in your shack and just shedding and that's going to make you a better guitar player um i think the best most wonderful thing you could ever do to yourself is play out and play often. Play with everybody. Learn on. Learn against the ropes, because uh, the when you're playing feeling. live with people, you're learning multiple things at the same time. You're learning how to recover if you make a mistake, because the band's not going to stop for you. You're going to learn how to hide your mistakes. You're going to have to learn how to hide uh, your mistakes if you how has you know if you. Uh, your cable comes unplugged or your distortion pedal doesn't work. What are you going to do then? You're going to learn how to listen to the people around you, how to blend in. You're going to learn what, what registers work, what doesn't. Just one two-hour gig or one-hour gig with people you don't know that are better than you will make you way better at guitar than 10 hours by yourself. Because when you're by yourself, mm -hmm. you end up just playing the stuff that you like and that you know. And then the hard stuff, you'll only focus on one of them. Right? You're not you're not multitasking your learning. You multitask your learning in the fire, in, mm -hmm. in the because you're afraid of making a fool out of yourself. And that fear, if you can handle that fear and you could master that fear, you'll be getting better guitar faster than you could ever imagine. That's yeah. my biggest. You're kind of going advice. Game of Thrones there for a second. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. You're not you're not gonna learn you're not gonna learn how to drive a car by sitting at home reading the manual and doing the car simulator on your, on that's your computer. A, that's a great You're gonna learn example. how to yep. drive a car. You know, race car drivers go on the road, they get behind the wheel and they go fast. Yeah. And that's what you got to do if you want to really, if you're really serious about getting great, um, because you don't get great without getting humbled a couple times and, uh, you need to get your butt kicked. You need to get up and you need to keep pushing forward. And yeah. it's, uh, that's the best advice I could give. I'm going to piggyback on that too, just for a moment. I think one of the things that I know I've learned about playing live is that, uh, um, I always come back and say there was something that I either didn't like about my tone or was trying that, that got in the way of the actual performance or the flow or m was distracting me or something like that gear related. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. then I can then I come back and I say, all right, I need to figure out how to make that not happen again, or make this more efficient, or um, make it not distracting. And yeah. that's something that I always, you know, after every single show, that I'm I'm always tinkering around and trying to figure out like how to make that extra thing different and or better. And that, a lot of that, times that's where, in, in, you know, invention comes in. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're spot on because what you, happens when you play a gig is you actually realize very quickly what you actually need to work on. Because we have an idea in our head what we need to work on, but it might be very, very different than what we actually need to work on. You know, uh, yeah. and you learn that in the fire. Oh man, I, I got to clean up my pedal board. It's making too much noise. Or, oh man, yep. like my action's way too high. You know, those yeah. are things you learn in the fire. Right? Yeah. And when you make a mistake on a lead, you just keep playing it again. And it you was supposed to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's the money. That's the money shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jay Leonard, Jay, what is your dream gig? No, that's my, rig, not rig, gig. No, not my, gig, rig. <laughs> my dream rig? Rig. Yes. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, gosh. Uh, and um, what gig would you play that at? Yes, and no. what was your... Uh, what, yeah, gig, okay. what, what gig would I play the rig? Do you dig? Um, let's see. Uh, I like... I, I'm going to start with the amps because I, I, I'm a big sucker for amps. I like um, blackface amps. I yeah. think... Uh, and I like big, ostentatious ones. You know what I like? Um... Like uh, those basement stacks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know the ones. I think those are so cool in so many different ways. Maybe it's because it's so big and it has the word bass on it. I don't know what it is. I know, I've, I don't, I've never had one. I've only played through one a couple times. But, man, don't those things just kill. You know, and they're closed back, so they really move forward. I'm so used to playing through really, really small amps. Because of just the way the world is now, you know, like if you play a big gig, they put a mic in front of it. You know, there's no reason to have a big amp, but this is my dream gig rig. Yep. I'm going to go huge. You're playing the Super Bowl with with, uh, Bruno Mars. I'm playing the Super Bowl, Bruno Mars. I'm going to use my Helix. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. So I'm going to go over like a basement stack, I think would be like the first thing I get. And then maybe because I'm feeling cocky, maybe I'll get like another amp with like reverb and make it super drenchy. Ah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I got stereo and that would be pretty, pretty cool. And then, you know, obviously I got to have my fuzz, got to have the old talk box. And then, uh, how about guitar? Guitar. You know what? Oh my gosh. That's a hard one. You know, I'm obviously I'm going to go for a Telecaster. I think that's where I feel the most comfortable. That's where I'm the most me. So, and the thing is, I'm very lucky because my favorite Telecaster is one I happen to own. So it'd be that blue uh, Telecaster that just mm. screams. Only the difference was every time I'd go out of tune, someone would run up on stage and put it back in tune for me. That'd be the one thing. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, geez. And then, uh, yeah, a little bit of delay, a little slapback delay. I like having a little slapback delay there. Chorus pedal because I think they're hilarious. <laughs> you know, I love uh, like a dimension. I think that's just an, a, a hilarious and super fun pedal. I can't get enough of that. That's just super The Dimension cool. C, there's another surprise. <laughs> yeah. I love that pedal, man. That is just, that's that's the, again, and also like pedals without a lot of knobs, right? You have four buttons, you know, pick the one that you like. Yeah. Or press all the buttons on at the same time if you want. So you you mentioned the blue Telecaster. That's your main. Yeah, but that's my main guitar. 
you you know how it is when someone reach someone's playing theirs and they reach for it and uh, and they reach uh, for the other one and that other one is usually like a what we would call like a statement guitar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the statement guitar that you would have by your side? Because now you're doing you're doing the encore. Well, see the thing is uh, when when I was just starting off. And, uh, re- you know, just establishing myself, I had a gig. Uh, I was playing for these pop singers in Hong Kong. So I do like all the world tours and stuff like that, the big arenas and like all that kind of thing. And the guitar that I was using there for my big hero moments um, and the guitar that I've been through everything with is a, a 1968 uh, Fender Bigsby Telecaster. Mm. And what ended up happening is I had to play at the, I think it was the MGM Grand or was it Caesars Palace? It was like one of those. And I had to uh, go there and I had a big gig, no rehearsal, you know, huge gig. And they lost my, uh, they lost my acoustic guitar and I ended up playing this acoustic guitar um, on the plane. I ended up playing the rental acoustic that had like huge high action. I went to, you know, I had to go to a hardware store to fix it in the middle of the night. It was so stressful. And I told myself I can't go on the road because I couldn't handle it if the airplane ever lost my 68 telly. Right. The reason why I got that blue telly was I specifically wanted something to replace that yellow Telecaster. But um, if I'm ever doing something that really means a lot to me, if there's a guitar that, you know, is going under the ground with me, that 68 telly, we've been through so much together. So, yeah, that blonde 68 Bigsby telly. All right. Nice. Okay. All right. Um, we're going to do a, a final thought question here, and then we're going to move on to uh, the, the last segment of our show. Uh, this is final thoughts. Um, I would say the state of boutique gear. Um, are we healthy? What do you see coming in the future? What do you see maybe falling away? What would you like to see? Hmm, that's a very interesting question. Uh, you know, things. I do notice that things are changing now. I think during the last couple of years, because everyone was at home, I think the boutique industry was great. I think it was doing fantastic. Everyone's learning how to play guitar, getting interested in really cool gear. Uh, but I think nowadays, you know, maybe it's maybe it's with the the proliferation of like you know, where like the older generation they would have like these heirlooms they would hold on to mm-hmm. and and pass down, and these things you know store up their houses. You know, I find that maybe younger people are more into disposable things because they're constantly moving from place to place. They're getting a new house. They're moving across the country. They're more adventurers. I find that people tend to show their wealth. Like back then, it was through their things. And Mm -hmm. I think nowadays, because of Instagram and stuff, I think people show their wealth through their experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I think that's probably why mid-range guitars are, you know, really really doing well and people are showing more interest in mid-level stuff but again it's hard for me to answer that question because i really don't know what a boutique thing is like is wampler boutique is uh you know like uh, keely boutique is jhs boutique like mm. or is boutique uh, one guy in his garage building something hmm. that's a, a that's, good it is a good question and it's certainly the lines have been blurred hugely especially over the last couple of years um because i think that even some of the big guys have adopted boutique mentalities uh you know with 
uh, limited runs of guitars and stuff. Like mm-hmm. Dave Mustaine just released a limited run of his signature guitar for like you know <laughs> $10,000. Um, and they're only going to make X amount of it. And mm-hmm. um, I think boutique probably means different things to different people. Um, I th- you know, before it used to be about, you know, are we, is somebody churning out thousands of these things? Mm-hmm. Are they all exactly the same? Well, that's probably not in most people's minds boutique. Does it mean that there's, you know, a guy making them in a shed with a, you know, uh, his grandpappy's hand-me-down hammer and, and a, you know, who knows I, I'm what? Gonna, I'm going to stop you right there. If you're using a hammer to build a pedal... There's, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> or, or something very, very boutique. It is the most boutique. You know, I, it, you know, I think we live right now, too. There's so many small businesses, right? And I think, um, I think that's really cool. A lot of people are running small businesses. And a lot of people are drawn to these moments. Like, look how popular things like Etsy are. You know, yeah, and and or or craft beers. You know, no one's buying Bud Light. People are going to their local brewery and getting a beer when they, you know, or they're just going to they go to the liquor store. They find something with the cooler label that looks a little bit more interesting. So, like, so who knows? I I do think that it, it's a cool time to be a you know a one-off small shop builder, just because people are so willing to accept that kind of thing. People like discovering kind of things or mm-hmm. you know they like to uh like for me like i have never had a um impulse to want to really get like a gibson les paul and if i wanted a gibson les paul i would you know wouldn't i wouldn't probably even get it from gibson i'd probably want to get a, a small builder to build me a gibson les paul yeah you know and or mean, get find it from someone, somebody who's got some great history behind it that has great history behind or, or it, because, you know, there's another thing about the boutique. It's, you know, it's one person and there's a story behind it. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a, and, and, and it feels like, you know, if we're talking like really small batch. So yeah. I don't know, like, I or don't you meet know. the person that's who's building it. That's oh, exactly. also rare, you know. Exactly. I remember it was really neat. Like there was one builder, uh, Equits Guitars. And yeah. He does a really We've cool had him thing on. where, yeah, when, when he builds a guitar, he asks people to make li- playlists for him. So when he's working on that person's guitar, he listens to the playlist created by the customer. Yep. And that might inform some of the decisions that he makes during the build process. Like it's these kind of things that really makes it special and really feel unique and, um, you know, uh, close to the heart. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, again, I can't tell, yeah. I, I can't tell the future, but what I can say is I absolutely love it. I adore it. I love hearing people's stories. I love opening up their pedals and seeing the little surprises that they hide oh, from yeah. me there. Those are the best. I love, you know, <laughs> uh, just staring, just staring at their instruction manuals that they write out by hand, or like looking at you no, know, uh, or just looking inside a, a box and just going like, half of these components didn't have to be this expensive, but they just decided to do it. Yeah, you know, because they cared that much. I was just talking to a guy named. Uh, uh, Eddie Wang, uh, he makes Wang amplifiers. I was having, talking to him today, and uh, he was talking about like when he was getting the the cabling just for the, uh, the like the uh, one of the channels of his amp, like to go from the jack to the the tube, and him listening to different kinds of cables, you know, just to mm-hmm. find one that worked, or or him talking to uh, the person that builds his transformers, just trying to dial it in just right, and 
We might not hear it, but gosh, it shows up in a million places. That attention to detail, that, that crazy mad scientist thing, it's what makes me wake up with a smile on my face. It's, it's what makes me excited to open up the box. Just discovering all these adventures, seeing how every nook hasn't been you know, forgotten. And uh, so yeah, I don't know the future, but I do know that whatever deck, whatever this is right now, this mm -hmm. time in music, there's, it's really like the most wonderful, wonderful time to be a guitar player, most wonderful time to be a consumer of guitar gear and everything. And uh, I hope it stays like this for a long time. Yeah. I think it's also um, a final thought, at least for, to add to that, is that as good as all the boutique stuff is and all the, the one-off, I think the other thing that it's doing, uh, because there is a lot of value in like we're not saying that those who are making boutique are, is like the, the big evil places or anything like that, but it's forcing it's forcing the companies that have been doing things that had a much higher level and a much bigger level to not maybe maybe work a little harder or yep. or like oh hey we need to we're the big guys we need to we need to keep leading. And it, that's going to just benefit everybody. Everybody. Because well, what, they can do things yeah. that maybe everybody else can't. Yeah. And it's fairly recent, like what PRS opened up their custom thing in 85. And Fender didn't start doing it until like, what, 89 or something? Gibson was even later, you know, something like that. It wasn't like, you know, this is kind of new. And yeah, and it's, yeah, it's leaking everywhere. It's making all the gear better. You know, can you imagine like going into a shop and just picking up an $800 guitar and it's just awesome? That's what we. That's the world we live in right now. That's really cool. Yeah, indeed. Well, th man, thanks so much for um, sharing all of that fantastic information. It was a. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you. We're going to jump in the old El Camino right now. Yep, we're fueling it up with the bourbon as we speak. Yes, indeed. You know, Todd. At this point of the show, there's a segment we call Would You Rather. That's a version of how that works, and we'll take it. Uh, all right. John Esterly's come up with one. Yeah, this week's Would You Rather is brought to you by me, John Esterly. Okay. So you're walking down the street, and you happen upon a tour bus with a flat tire. Uh-oh. Right? You offer to help change the tire because you're a nice guy, so they let you go up on the bus. Guess what? Who's there? It's the Dropkick Murphys. Ah. Ken thanks you for the help and tells you that they're wrapping up their acoustic tour and getting ready to play their huge St. Patrick's Day set in Boston. For those that don't know, they play like a three-day... It's like an Irish kind of it's, punk yeah, uh, folk yeah, thing. Big thing, big thing. Since you were so nice to help them with the tire, Ken wants you to join them on stage for the big show. Here's the problem. They've already got three guitarists. Mm. So they really don't need you there. They need you to help fill in somewhere else. One of their pipers is sick, and the lead guitarist is sick of playing accordion. Nah. Ken says you can sit in in either of those places, and they have all the YouTube videos you need to learn to play the new instrument. So would you rather don your kilt and take up the pipes, or put on your scally and play the accordion? Ooh. So this is a non-guitar question altogether. Well... There are three guitarists. Yeah, but you're not one of them. Right. <laughs> so this is a non-guitar thing altogether. Would you rather? All right. I'm just checking. Okay. 
So we're going pipes or accordion? That would be the binary right. question, yes. Tony? Well, I have no idea how to play the pipes. Well, you've got YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, then, in that case, I'll be an expert in a matter of minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, as a child, I once, I, 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 I took a couple of accordion lessons, being of Polish descent. And, of course, the accordion is well-known in polka music. Sure, sure. So I could probably squeeze the notes out, not a lot of notes, but a couple of notes okay. on the accordion. So I think I'm going to take up the accordion because the pipes just confound me. All right. John? Well, I'm, I'm, this is a tough one for me because I'm, I'm Irish, so you would think I would lean towards the pipes, Irish and Scots. And uh, but I am from Polish Toledo, so I, ah. I have an affinity for the accordion. Um, I think I'm gonna go over to Dudzik Island, yes, to right. take up the accordions, okay? Uh, Jalen or Jay? I don't know if, if, if I'm gonna fail, I gotta fail spectacularly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so bring on the pipes, man, bring on the pipes. I like it. I'm going pipes too because. Pipes inherently, about half the time, sound bad. Like off, it's just off. So I'd be like, "Yeah, let's do that," because because <laughs> then you could like really, really let it go, and you could put yourself into it. But if you're fiddling around with all of the things that goes into accordion, heck no, that's a that's a hard no for me. Well, let me ask I, you this: Could we have a guitar synthesizer? Set to the accordion setting. So you could still play guitar, but it would sound like an accordion. Is that an option? Possibly. John? I, I do like the idea of doing a pipe organ accordion. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Okay. This is getting a yeah, little yeah, carried yeah. away. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jay chose the pipes. Oh, that's right. That was the pipes. He yes. wanted to fail spectacularly. Like, failing spectacularly. Yeah. I want to fail spectacularly. Because, you know, like, um, it's almost like, you know, people don't know what bad pipes sound like, but people really do know what bad accordion sounds like. I <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? That's kind of going on what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we need to thank a handful of people, and then we're going to say goodbye to our good friend, Jay Leonard Jay. That's right, Todd, because at this point of the show, there's a special group of people that we love to thank. These are our executive producers. Now, you might be asking yourself, what's this executive producer? Maybe more importantly, how can I become one? It's quite simple, actually. Go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash the guitar nubs and check out a couple different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Each level comes with some very, very nice thank you gifts. But there's one thing more as an executive producer. Jared, what is that? Get to have your name right on the thing, man. That's right. Your name right on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, John Helverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D., Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, 
James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemolero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, Jerk. <laughs> Anthony Lathrop, <laughs> Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, Stuart George, Michael Furman, and Andrew DeHaan. Oh, thank you all for your help and support. Y- you know, Todd. Yes. I-, I have to tell you this each time, but you know, there's another I special never learn. group. You never learn. You never seem to. I never least. read the room. Okay, you can't do it. In addition to the regular executive producers, yep. we have a special group of executive producers. We call them our grand poobas. Mm-hmm. Mm. This group of extra, extra special people have a fez to wear upon their head while listening to the podcast. And, of course, we read their names off as well. So special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco. Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jeruzic, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. 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 Eddie Serratos, David Poe, Billy Spitfire, and Congregation Gear Demo. Perfect. Thank you, Tony, so much. Uh, and thank you all for helping to support our show. Uh, it means a great deal to us, and it truly keeps uh, everything going. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had a fantastic time talking with the great and surprising Jay Leonard. Jay, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your time with us, man. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure to do this. This is a lot of fun. Great. And where can people uh, find what you're doing? You can find me at uh, on YouTube, J Leonard J. That's it. Just dial it in, and uh, you can catch me. Perfect. Uh, Tony, where can people find you? Head over to PickGuardian.com. Check out some of the pick guards and things that I do. But uh, by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you're trying to do, what you need, what color you like, what material you like, and I'll make it for you. Awesome. John? So you can find me at rarebuzzer.com. That's rarebuzzer.com. Put an ad in front of that. You can find me at all social media. And uh, Instagram is where I'm most active. Reach out there. Perfect. You can shoot me an email, toddatthegitarnobs.com, and direct message me on Instagram, at guitarnobs. We'd love to hear what you're up to. Send us your would-you-rathers. We would love to hear some new ones and share those. And a final great and ostentatious thank you to Jay Leonard Jay, man of the hour. Yes, me. Yes. And uh, (laughs) hey, everybody, have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe! Yes. Hey, John. As, wait, wait, what effects? Esterly? Well, I am Esterly. They're the guys that bring all the, the crispy packages to the movie theater. Stop it. Oh.
Okay, so now when I say stop it, because they're four you, years are old. Are you all in this? You know, like when, when they're like trying to decide how to design human beings and stuff, they're like, okay, well, we need them to be able to call for help for these kids. So what sound is the most grating thing to get an attention of an adult? Oh, it's the sound of an unplugged Stratocaster going direct to the board. <laughs> you had me at Stratocaster, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Those things happen. I hate when you reprimand me, Dad. I know, I know. I have hearing like a flipping bat. If a if a robin farts outside my window at three in the morning, I, I'm with earplugs. I can hear it. It's oh, crazy. Wonderful! Yay! Uh, that was really fun. We're so proud of us. And away we go. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time